When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. As a new Western Union customer, you can enjoy a $0 transfer fee on your first international online money transfer. Send money to your loved ones back home the fast, easy, and reliable way. Visit westernunion.com or download their app today to get started. And your first transfer fee is free. Services offered by Western Union Financial Services, Inc., NMLS 906983, or Western Union International Services, LLC, NMLS 906985, FX Gain Supply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Hi, this is Wadi Wachtel. You're listening to Pantheon Podcasts. History in Five Songs with host Martin Popoff, a production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Hello once again, Martin Popoff here, back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and always expanding Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. All right, so this is episode 107. We're going to be calling this One and Done. This is from a suggestion by Bill Zwertz, um, and the idea here is we're going to be looking at uh, bands that only put out one album. Um, and, uh, I'm going to do these, uh, just to add a little more substance to it. I'm going to do these in a, uh, in a ascending order from, uh, from least awesomeness to most awesomeness and most awesomeness, uh, around this idea of, wow, they only put out one album and, and kind of how legendary it is sort of thing. So, so the legendariness grows as, as we go through these. Um, okay. So, um, yeah, let's play our first one right now. Take a listen to this. This is Katmandu with Love Hurts. Love 
All right, so here we are, one and done. Katmandu. This is a band that only put out one album, and I wanted to include this one um, just to remind people that this exists, because uh, in my own example, I keep forgetting that this dang record exists. Um, Katmandu was uh, was a hair metal vehicle, essentially, um, for Dave King, ex of Fastway, who would move on to Flogging Molly and have quite a, quite a bit of success with that as kind of a, a Pogues-type Celtic band, lots of records, uh, big crowds show up to their shows. Um, so this Katmandu album, this is a, a record that came out on Sony in 1990, and you can hear a little bit from that song from some of the other ones on it as well. 1990 is kind of a funny year in hair metal. Everybody's kind of looking over their shoulder at this grunge thing happening, uh, changing, changing up what they're doing, adding a little bit more substance to what they do. And Katmandu was no exception. Uh, although I would say that it's not that successful an album and you can understand why it wasn't a success in the marketplace. It's essentially quite hair metal-ish. Um, it's produced by Dwayne Barron and John Purdell, famed for, for the Aussie situation. It's produced very sort of corporate and, uh, you know, kind of with, with uh, that little bit of electronic sheen on it, even though it is a guitar, bass, and drums band. But what this band does that is kind of interesting, first of all, that's a, that's a really cool song. This is one of the more melodic and popular tunes uh, on the album. What is kind of cool about this record, though, is... Uh, the the big single on it was uh, boy they're not in order on my uh, thing here the way you make me feel actually when the rain comes was there was a video for that there was a video for another track as well but what is interesting is that they did go with kind of a slow bluesy song uh, very bluesy very slow uh, for for a for a lead single on it or one of the singles on it anyways. They also covered U2's God Part 2, which was a little bit of a thing that you started seeing in hair metal where the covers got kind of cooler uh, as time went on, uh, that they were trying to show like a little bit of intellectual heft to this. But it's it's pretty cool. Uh, Dave King's a, an interesting looking guy, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching the videos uh, that, that came off of this. He looks kind of like a like a malnourished, uh, redheaded David Coverdale in David Coverdale's youth sort of thing. He's He's got the same kind of face as David Coverdale. He's got a really cool style to him as well, and obviously a great voice. He's a really cool guy, uh, but he's a really skinny dude. Um, anyway, so he was in the band, as was Mandy Meyer, uh, Crocus, Cobra, Asia. We had bassist Kane Carruthers, The Untouchables, drummer Mike Alonzo, The Meanies. Uh, so yeah, this was uh this was not exactly a a full-on super group, but it was kind of a kind of this uh this assemblage of guys who were who were trying to make a go of it probably a little late in the process here. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to remind people that this album exists existed and there's a lot of variety across it and it's a it's a cool record in that uh that late hair metal zone uh honestly this was up against to, to put in the first one here i i really sort of um went through the bogeyman album bogeyman was a offshoot band of masters of reality and i almost went with that here but then i played it and i was kind of a little disappointed with it and i i never was a huge fan of that record anyways the same thing bothers me about that record that bothers me about the second masters uh masters of reality uh the one that had ginger baker on it sun sunrise and the suffer bus uh anyways a, a lot of uh you know the first one is just like really accessible big 
you know, Rick Rubin, the cult rocking out, uh, awesome, awesome record. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't fault it at all. But the second one, I just didn't like too many of the songs on it. And the bogeyman album reminded me a little of that as well. So the Katmandu kind of, uh, edged it out. Um, now here's an interesting thing about Katmandu. So Dave Kingy moves on to flogging Molly. They put out their first album in, in, uh, in 2000, the first, uh, the first song on that album is called Salty Dog, and the third song on that album was called Every Dog Has Its Day. Take a listen to this. This is our second uh, pick on History in Five Songs, episode 107, One and Done. This is Salty Dog with Slow Days. <laughs> All right, so what did you think of that segue? Pretty cool, eh? So, uh, so Salty Dog is our second selection here. And again, a band that only put out one album. And I think you could safely say that this is a step up in awesomeness from Katmandu. So Salty Dog, close buddy of mine, Michael Hannon, uh, this is his band. He's the bass player in the band. Uh, but, you know, obviously the, the lead vocalist counts for a lot. Uh, in this situation, it's Jimmy Bleacher. And the reason he counts for a lot is that this band is one of those next Led Zeppelin bands. They were kind of heralded as, boy, these guys could be the next Led Zeppelin. There was a lot of buzz around them at the time. I remember they were on the cover of Kerrang! Uh, this album came out on Geffen. So, you know, it's it's getting a big push. It's 1990 again, so same sort of situation as Katmandu. But again... What you have happening now, and we have past episodes of History and Five Songs all about this. I, I think the very first album was called called uh, Led Zeppelin and Hair Metal. I might even had Salty Dog as part of that. Probably did. Uh, anyways, the, the idea is that by 1990, you do get these bands trying different things. And one of the things that they were trying was what I used to call, and, and I got an episode on this as well, called Dirty Hair Metal. And then there's the bluesy hair metal, right? Uh, so you've got Badlands and you've got Salty Dog are two great examples of, of this moving forward. The other amazing thing about Salty Dog is that uh, drummer Kurt Meyer, uh, you know, whether this is him or not doing this, uh, he gets an incredible, incredible John Bonham-esque drum sound on this. The album's actually produced by Peter Collins of, of Russian Queensryche fame, which is kind of interesting because uh, I've actually thought of actually doing an episode of History in Five songs on producers not sounding like what you normally think of them as producers or producers that don't have a sound. Peter Collins is definitely one of those uh, because on this record, he he is, like I say, getting this really good, groovy, you know, big, ploipy bass drum sound on Kurt Meyer. Filling out the band is is Pete Ravine on, on, uh, on guitar. Uh, but basically... You know, you talk to Michael about it. Michael doesn't look on these days too particularly fondly because there, uh, there turned out to be some heroin problems in the band, and uh, and it all crashed in flames after the one album. But this album is known for "Come Along." Uh, they do a cover of "Cream Spoonful." Uh, what else was uh, was a single on this? I'm I'm not sure. What did I just play here? Anyways, we we just did. Uh, yeah, we just did "Slow Days." 
But uh, but Come Along was kind of the big hit single off of it. It was the first song on the album. And uh, that's a really cool, groovy, Zeppelin-esque sort of song. So everybody really liked this album when it first came out. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of the band on the back. You know, they've, they've got the standard, typical, moving on from rote hair metal into sort of a, uh, a Guns N' Roses skid row uh, look. You know, later Cinderella uh, kind of look as well. You know, Cinderella is actually probably the band that started this whole bluesy hair metal thing. And so this totally fits in that. Um, but of course, that was it for them. Uh, but that was not it for the spirit of Salty Dog because Michael Hannon and Steve Thedo and, um, you know, Keith Pickens went on to, to make a whole pile of awesome, awesome American dog albums. Uh, so they are, they're based in Columbus, Ohio, right? You know, Mike Michael always uh, jokes about the drunken bass players of uh, Columbus, Ohio, or Ohio. You know, you, uh, Pete could because Pete Way moved there at one point from UFO, right? And uh, you know, he was he was gad about town. And then, of course, you've got um, you've got the gods uh, as well. Uh, so so there there was this whole thing of these leaders of these bands uh you know bass players you know michael's the singer of american dog which is kind of cool but check out american dog uh, you, you know if if you like salty dog american dog is more like uh, a combination of salty dog with a little more motorhead to it it's a little motorhead it's a little twisted sister not not twisted sister they cover twisted sister i wouldn't say they're twisted sister it's it's more like yeah mo motorhead uh it, it's more like commercial biker metal uh with with um you know just great production amazing guitar playing great singing out of michael they put out a lot of albums so that's uh so that's american dog uh all right let's take a little break we'll be right back all right back again here on history and five songs with martin popoff uh this is episode 107 one and done suggested by bill zwartz this is the idea of these bands that only put out one record the next one let's take a listen to this and we'll discuss this is pride and glory with Horse Called War. All right, so Pride and Glory, love this band. I don't know why I love this band so much, but it really fits the theme of what we've already talked about here. Uh, so this is moving on even further along the lines of this idea of bluesy hair metal, but the hair metal is pretty much gone at this point. We're, we're up into 1993. Zach Wilde, uh, you know, he's he's shot to fame with uh, with the Ozzy Osbourne band. I love No Rest for the Wicked, not so much No More Tears, but but the idea was that Ozzy was stopping touring, No More Tours. There was the big uh, the big farewell live album, and Zach really did think it was over. He wasn't going, Ozzy wasn't going to be back, and Zach wasn't going to be back in Ozzy. But of course, um, that actually did happen. But at this point, Zach figured, you know, the way forward was, uh, you know, I, I have to I have to form my own band kind of thing. And love this record, loved it at the time uh, because it was so out of the box. It's essentially what it reminds me of is 
if the Almond Brothers were a heavy were were a heavy band. Um, so it's not it's not just hitting you in the face with uh, with you know flashiness and showiness or even accessibility. It's quite it's quite bluesy, and I love Zach's singing voice. I think I think he's just a, this great singer, and he has kind of this sonorous Greg Almond uh, to his voice. Uh, but this is Zach. This is a power trio. So it's Zach with Brian Titchy on drums and James Lomenzo from uh, from White Lion on on bass backing vocals Zach does so lead backing vocals guitars piano uh, mandolin banjo harmonica so it's that kind of band you know the the front cover is a bunch of cows in front of a broken down farmhouse right um but i just thought the whole the whole feel and the whole setup of this thing made a lot of sense um you know, it's they they look actually like a bunch of grunge guys. Um, you know, so we're in the post grunge era, but you know they didn't go and do a grunge album, which is kind of interesting, right? Uh, but but yeah, so so what you get out of this is Zach really pursuing those blues roots. Don't forget that Zach had the infamous one time he played with the Almond Brothers, and uh, and you know he was he was basically bounced right out of the band because uh, you know he was just too much of a shredding showy guitarist for that band. I, I guess the idea was that he, that he didn't really fit in. He didn't really get the idea of the Allman Brothers, whatever, right? Um, I would I would sooner listen to Zach. I, I would sooner listen to Black Label or Pride and Glory or Ozzy than I would the Allman Brothers anyways. Uh, but yeah, I, I love what they did with this record. Uh, one of the cool things uh, about this is in 2019, it got reissued as a double CD set. And I got to interview Zach again. I've interviewed him many times, but it was pretty cool to get on the phone and interview him only about Pride and Glory. So it's one of those things, you know, how over at Zunior.com, I've got 40 or 50 of those 99 cent documents on one record at a time. Most of those have not been in print anywhere. Uh, so they're only available as these 99 cent ebook things. Well, you know, when I get to talk to one of these guys, you know, in the back of my mind is the idea that I've got to, I've got to knuckle down and finish off one of these 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 word essays on one album. And I really should write up Pride and Glory because, you know, over the years I would interview him a little bit about it, but here I was getting a full interview about it. So I really should do that one. Same thing happened with Steve Hackett and GTR. That thing got reissued, and I've got all sorts of great footage that I can write up a really nice story of the GTR album. Uh, so, anyways, that was that was Pride and Glory with Horse Called War. Hope you like that. Um, let's move on. Uh, this is our number four selection here, episode one hundred and seven, one and done. Take a listen to this. This is Green River with Pork Fist. All right. So, as I said, we are rising uh, in uh, in intensity in in the level of awesomeness. I think uh, with these things. So, Pride and Glory is more awesome than Salty Dog is more awesome than Katmandu. Uh, Green River, cheating a little bit here because Green River. Th- this is actually probably my favorite of the grunge bands of all time, 
And it's a little bit of that whole Max Webster is better than Rush thing because they only got to make the great albums in the great era and then they, you know, they didn't they didn't have time or space to screw up sort of thing. Um, so what I love about Green River, so so the way this is a little bit of a cheat is is on Homestead Records earlier, um, much earlier, they had a an EP out. And then before Rehab Doll, their only full-length album, they did have a a pretty long uh EP, Dry as a Bone EP, which is incredible. Uh, you know, I've I think I did an episode about the grunge EPs, and I, I think Dry as a Bone and then Super Fuzz Big Mud from Muzz, Mud Honey are are two of the great, great uh EPs, Screaming Life, FOP, right? Uh Soundgarden. Uh so there were a lot of EPs coming out of this this whole grunge thing, but Rehab Doll is just an incredible, incredible album of heavy, riffy, uh, wild, chaotic grunge, well-recorded. What does it say here? So it recorded by Bruce Calder at Steve Lawson Production, Seattle 24-track, August 87. So that's the cool thing. Uh, August 87 to January 88. This is is literally... you know, it's it's one of the two or three and probably even the first great, amazing grunge documents of all time. It came out in June 1988, so that's nice and early in the whole grunge thing. I believe Bleach is 89, right? Soundgarden has a record in 88, though, as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, all music by Gossard, Fairweather, Fairweather and Vincent, all words by Arm, so Mark Arm. Uh, music on Rehab Doll, written by uh, blah, blah, blah. So, um, so yeah. Great album, check it out. It's it's varied. It's uh, it was probably the number one document, maybe even beside Dries a Bone. The first EP is not that good. It's it's called uh, Come As You Are, I believe. Um, but Dry as a Bone is uh, is an amazing EP of of these great songs. It th- this literally is the um the stuff that uh, that made me most wildly excited about what was going to happen with grunge. And there was there were amazing records in grunge, so it it, it didn't turn out to be a fizzle at all. Uh, but this is one of the great lightning in a bottle documents. Um, now, why is it a one and done? The reason is is that Green uh, Green River immediately split and became uh, two of the great grunge institutions. Mark Arm led Mudhoney, and so they became more of a Stooges archival crate digging kind of grunge band with a real 60s bent to them, and they they really did not bow at all to any sort of commercial pressures. Uh, Honestly speaking, I would say, I mean, that's a band I should spend way more time with, but uh, as time went on, I wasn't that enamored with them. I mean, my favorite thing they ever did was that first EP. And then probably after that, I wouldn't say it's the first self-titled album. It's probably later albums. Uh, so so that happened. And Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament uh, obviously went on to form the great Pearl Jam, uh, who had a diamond album with their first album, 10. That's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, so I think it's diamond. Uh, anyways... That's what happened to Green River. They they just were this great legendary kind of um, you know uh, introductory offshoot band uh, that 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 gave us those two great offshoots. And like I say, it's a bit of a cheat because they literally have enough you know B side and EP material to to you know to the point where you could say they had two albums. Um, all right, so let's move on. Uh, let's take a listen to our number five selection. This is I think 
has to be considered uh, the greatest one-and-done band of all time. Take a listen to this. This is the Sex Pistols with Problems. All right, so you had you had to put this last, uh, you know, for, for for so many reasons. Number one, it's such an incredible album. I think most people would agree that it's the greatest punk album of all time. It's super heavy throughout. I remember getting this. Uh, my first copy of this ever was an actual import copy from the UK. Uh, so it didn't have submission on it. It was one track shorter than than the version that I would get later, the Canadian copy, which I'm I'm looking at here. Sadly, I don't have my import anymore. Um, but yeah, you got uh, you got that on here. I guess they didn't put it on the back cover. Is that how that works? Uh, anyway, so let's see. Oh yeah, there it is. So it's uh, so it is it is. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's right. So so it it's on the record, um, but it's it's not on the back cover. I guess they didn't re reprint the back cover. Uh, coloring's a little different on the on the Canadian as well versus the UK, but. Anyways, uh, amazing production, great riffs, great grooves, uh, you know, really powerful drum sound, a lot of multi-track guitars, super smart lyrics from from Johnny Rotten. Uh, but this is the ultimate amazing one and done band. It's considered one of the greatest albums ever made. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't know if there's any other. I've got some honorable mentions that we're going to go through, which is always a fun part of this part of this uh, podcast because I, I do I do like uh, the substance of saying well here are the other ones as well but I don't think anything is going to compete with this in terms of being so legendary and and so excellent for a one and done you know obviously right after I, I pulled up my copy of this my original copy that I bought you know way back when obviously they had a semi sort of album called the great rock and roll swindle which is a double LP um it's essentially a compilation of a grab bag of a lot of weird things. A lot of stuff on here isn't even pistols at all. There's even the funny right, right there on the spot. You see why they couldn't replace Johnny Rotten because there's some songs or, or is it just the one song? Anyways, the one song for sure, what they do is, um, is they, is they have a bunch of possible replacements for Johnny Rotten sing on this perfectly decent you know post it would have been a good sex pistol song so they had so they had all these people sing uh, a line or two on on this song and you could just tell it's it's just stupid to try replace uh again lightning in a bottle uh that that was johnny rotten it it, it can't be done right but yeah so it's the cool thing about this as a one and done is the idea that they 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 knew the legendariness and the storiedness of it and they knew probably that they couldn't better that record and they knew that their legacy somehow would be more maintained and the magic of it would be that much greater if they just knocked it on its ear and and didn't do anything else obviously what happened after that is we we essentially didn't really hear much from cookie or steve jones really ever again you know there were some little projects along the way but Johnny, um, you know, all the creative power and Krautrock and, and, you know, music terrorist 
glory to him, he went on and formed Public Image Limited, which uh, which is an incredibly bizarre and provocative band. And uh, and as he's framed it over the years, very very smartly because he's a pretty interesting dude, uh, is that you know that's kind of the the only place you you know when you paint yourself into a corner with such a great album as Nevermind the Bollocks, here's the Sex Pistols, you kind of paint yourself into a corner. And if you're gonna if you're going to do something that actually has even more integrity than that, it has to be this completely off the wall thing. You know, one one way of looking at it, anyways. Uh, so there you go. That was Sex Pistols Problems. Very nice. Um, so again, I wanted to mention a few honorable mentions. Uh, one that is is really well, I'll go with the, all the ones that I thought that would have been uh, as cool to to include in this episode. First of all, the Mother Love Bone album, obviously. They didn't do another album because Andrew Wood died heroin, right? Uh, so, so there's a great grunge band that was a little more, a little, little bit of a Guns N' Roses hair metal to them as well. But they only got to make the one album, Apple. There was a great post, you know, late for dinner grunge band out of Toronto called Jesus Christ. They only made one album. Subhumans, uh, the great punk album that I talked about last or a couple episodes ago in terms of you know the the start of punk in Canada, but that was only one. And another one along those lines was Slow. Only and they and they were also from Vancouver. They were almost like a nascent pre-grunge band, legendary, legendary band, but I couldn't include them because they only made an EP. Other ones that get brought up, Thunderclap Newman. Uh, I haven't checked all these out, so I can't say for sure did they any of these bands reform and, and do something later, but ones suggested by uh, by you, the great listeners, were, were the likes of Stompbox, Blondes, B-L-O-N-Z, um, Melidian, Mother's Day Out, Haunted Garage, Noisy Mama. So some of those are kind of like post post hair metal, a little bit grungy in there as well. Um, John Garganurakis said Quatermass. I thought they did two. Actually, actually, I think Quatermass two is much later, so that's the reason there. Blackwater Park, great suggestion, John. Um, one of the heaviest unknown obscure bands from the early 70s i believe that's a 1971 album opeth obviously named uh, one of their albums after that great legendary strange um but pretty heavy album blackwater park only one album california brady mentioned uh, that's pretty cool glenn hughes project i got to interview him for that and i thought that was a great album i believe they were just a power trio but california breed was a was a really cool um a Glenn Hughes thing where he's, you know, he's out trying everything. I, you know, obviously like a lot of people, I wish, you know, we'd get black country communion all the time. Uh, but anyways, California breed one off, uh, Jeff weed mentions Jeff Buckley and the remains. Tim Higgins mentions life, sex, death. Remember that was Stanley. Um, there was the super group thing. Uh, I thought of a few super groups, uh, the likes of the law with Paul Rogers, shadow King with Lou Graham, uh, I'm Viv Campbell, right? Uh, Rockpile, Dave Edmonds, Nick Lowe sort of thing, Traveling Wilburys, uh, Derek and the Dominoes, Mad Season, Lane Staley's uh, thing, um, Them Crooked Vultures, right? John Paul Jones and Josh. Uh, that, they actually got pretty big, but I, I, I wasn't that big a fan of that album. So there's a bunch of super groups that, uh, that only made the one album. Pretty interesting. Uh, Nicholas Berry mentions... Modern Lovers, Jonathan Richmond's uh, old thing, right? Um, you know, that legendary album with Roadrunner and all that out of Boston. Uh, then obviously 
you know, Jonathan becomes a, a solo artist with his, uh, with his novelty kind of children's music deal. <laughs> uh, he mentions Tin House. Don't know who that is. Alamo. That's, uh, that's that old, pretty heavy semi-Southern rock thing. I think 1971. Cargo is another old one. Germs. Uh, L.A. Punk. Um, Rites of Spring, don't know who that is. Orangutan, that's another one of those old ones. Elias Hulk, another one of those old ones. Young Marble Giants, I believe that's kind of like a Seattle punky pre-grunge sort of thing, I think. Um, and then there's some critics, darlings, uh, like Skip Spence, Rites of Spring, Lauren Hill, The Monks. Uh, Young Marble Giants, again, is mentioned. This is, oh yeah, I remember when I did this. Yeah, I, I was looking up kind of a list of these and and found some ones that I've considered critics, darlings. The Presidents of the United States. Sea Hags was a pretty interesting one. Uh, Heaven's Edge, another hair metal band. Jan Stark from uh, the Awesome Overdrive. Uh, he mentions Boomerang. So he's got, that's one of these really old ones. Child. Um the bogeyman he mentioned, uh, and again, wasn't crazy about that. I did almost consider that. King Karma, Airborne, Air Raid, Speedway Boulevard, Mariah, Cobra with Jimmy Jameson, right? Uh, the Cause, Night Sun. So there's another one, Night Sun. That was a band, I think the album was called Morning, uh, M-O-U-R-N. So that's one that kind of fits in with the whole Blackwater Park thing, as I think it might even be the same year, and it's pretty pretty darn heavy. That's a good one to check out. Uh, Oakley. Pipe Dream, Truck, Axis, man, Yanni is such a uh, such a great music head, man. He knows stuff from all sorts of eras, and he's naming things from all kinds of eras there, ones I wouldn't have thought of. Uh, so there you go. Um, one and done, episode 107. If you like this show and want to support uh, me and what I'm doing over here, uh, I do do the Ko-Fi, Ko-Fi, rhymes with no fee, um, Ko-Fi.com slash Martin Popoff. You can hit that red support button, buy me a coffee or a pint, I usually put my oh I hate writing that thing uh the the once a week ask uh on that I that I put on my Facebook uh, my three Facebook pages um to remind people and 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 it works you know some 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 of you actually you know I some of you actually go and and contribute to Kofi and that reminds me that the episode went up because it means you went in and listened to it God love you thank you for that and then and then support it so that was really cool um but other than that um yeah I I do the reminder thing and then. And then a few more people come come up. Uh, and that uh, on that front for this week, I would like to thank Benjamin Adler, Grant Arthur, Joe Becton, Bel Air Expediting, Black Sugar Transmission, Andy, uh, Bruce Campbell, Andrew Clark, Lee Clifford, Tim Derling, Dave Fisher, and Jeremy French. So thank you very much. Uh, and of course, you can go to martinpopoff.com for the book situation. People are asking me about the yes visual biography what i had decided there just so you know is uh it's been so expensive and stressful and so much paperwork uh importing these books from the uk i decided to coast on the yes and i'm gonna get my copies of yes when i get my copies of the nazareth one so i'm gonna do another big palette again and go through that whole rigmarole um but yeah, I, I did get uh, two supplies from Weimer. So all of those, you know, odd, odd other books that I've, uh, I've you know, handed over to Weimer after they were self-published books, uh, I do have a supply of almost everything. Uh, so yeah, martinpopoff.com for all that. Uh, that's it. Go play some of these one and dones. Thank you very much. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts.
All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at the RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and oh, now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.